Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. I am your host, Robert Winfrey, and this is your wi- your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. Uh, not a whole lot this particular episode, actually. On the agenda, mostly last night, uh, UFC and ESPN plus 49, which is a very short show, actually, wound up only having nine fights start to finish after several fights fell out or, or were rescheduled for any number of reasons. Uh, not a lot of new, I mean, not much, man, so, uh, we should have a fairly short show this evening, uh, so, if you could, please, uh, give the show some kind of an interaction, depending on your platform, that might be differently, a subscription, I assume you're subscribed already, but if not, please do so, uh, if you can give us a rating, likes, comments, reviews, etc., any and all of that, it is all helpful, so if you would please, that again, that's very, very helpful to the product. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, not a lot of preamble. Again, not going to be a very long podcast, so let's go ahead and jump into the show last night. Well, I say last night as I recorded, you're probably listening to this on Monday, but UFC on ESPN plus 49. Your main event, this was, let me give a little background before I jump into the fights. This was originally the card, essentially, that was supposed to take place on the 14th of August. That didn't happen. It was supposed to take place in London. Uh, That didn't happen. Travel restrictions, gathering restrictions uh, in the UK, between the UK and the United States, etc., etc., blah, blah, blah. I mean, I I, I shouldn't blah, blah something serious, but you don't want it. You're not here to listen to me go into the details of that, and I don't know all the details that the situation is somewhat fluid enough that uh, the circumstances now might not be the circumstances then. Point being, whatever happened couldn't take place, so it got moved to uh, this card, and it just featured a bunch of UK fighters. It took place at the traditional UK time. This thing started at noon my time. It was supposed to start a little bit earlier, but um, they had a fight fallout after the weigh-ins. A guy... Uh, Jonathan Martinez actually missed weight and then had complications resulting from that. So it went forward with only nine fights, but there was a lot of, it was a mostly really good night for the UK fighters with the exception of our main event. The only somewhat qualifier I'd put there is the rest of them were, look, this isn't pro wrestling. They're not, they're not, you can't set someone up and then script an ending. But what the type of matchmaking you give, that that's an indicator, right? And in at least two of these UK fights, they were uh, they were still somewhat setups. Now, fighters still had to go out there and fight and perform, and that's certainly the most difficult part. But you know, if the UFC wanted to, they could have given, especially at lightweight, Paddy Pimblett could have had a much different challenge than he faced. And that probably would have had a very different outcome. But uh, he's someone the UFC wants to you know, maybe build around or at least give some dip. It's just really obvious who the UFC decides to take slightly softer touches with. Uh, they couldn't in the main event uh, because that was just two top ten middleweights. And once you get to that point, uh, unless you're doing kind of rebound fights off of title losses, you know, there's not really a gimme there. You're working your way up towards a title shot, especially something at middleweight. You're going to have to fight 
through some really talented fighters and some really tough matchups. And that's what we got in the main event. We'll get to some of the other uh, UK fighters and I'll give some, and you know as they come along. But main event, so anyway, early morning or early afternoon card for me. Suffice to say, you know, set up for a lot of the UK guys. The main event, though, Darren Till and Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson wins via second or third round? Third round submission. Uh, rear naked choke. I don't want to say Darren Till had nothing for this fight, because that's not true at all. That That is in no way true. Darren Till was in this fight at points... There was an argument for Brunson getting a 10-8 first. Now, I didn't go that way, but I I didn't see too many who did, but I don't argue with someone who went... It got close enough that you could just go, okay, we'll, we'll just tip that over the other way. Um, the striking on the feet... The southpaw thing, I think, hurt Till a little bit. He didn't go to leg kicks as often as I thought he would. Uh, for... The beginning of the first round, it's mostly on the feet. Till's straighter punches were a bit of a problem, but Brunson was able to just time a really nice double leg, and he spent a lot of time on top in uh, half guard. Just, he wailed on Till pretty hard in that first round, man. Uh, busted up Till's right eye. Not bad enough to where the fight had to be stopped, but if that had gotten much worse, it got a little bit worse after the second, but... Uh, if that swelling had kept up and we'd gotten into rounds, you know, four and five, maybe it, it if it had kept going, I mean, that would that would have been a fight stopper. You have to be able to see out of your out of both eyes. Uh, he, he obviously never quite got to that point, but Till gets up to his feet at the end of the at the end of the first, finally escapes, and is able to land a couple of good lefts, and you feel a little bit like maybe the tide's turning. Brunson might have emptied a little bit too much of his gas tank. Wrestling is a very, very physically taxing endeavor. Uh, Eddie Alvarez is on record saying you can't re- you can't wrestle for 25 minutes. You can wrestle for about 15. Uh, and I think even the best wrestlers in MMA history, if you look at how much they have to actually wrestle versus how much they have to control, that's probably about true. And I've said this before. I stole this from somebody else. I think Robin Black. But wrestling is not... Getting someone to the wrestling is not what happens on the ground. Wrestling is everything that happens until someone concedes a position. Once someone concedes a position, you're into a slightly different realm. Wrestling is how do we get someone down? How do we scramble? You know, how do we that kind of stuff? And wrestling is very, very exhausting. Uh, and especially as you get larger and larger men, it becomes more and more tiring to get them around and down. Uh, so there was a bit of a thought there. Second round, it. Kind of looks like it's playing out that way. Till's finding a little bit more success on the feet. He starts throwing in some leg kicks. Gets taken down once and gets back up. Unfortunately, the second takedown's a little bit more authoritative. Brunson is able to control, not quite do as much damage, but still control and do damage. Enough to win the round, I thought. Third round, again, if the tide's going to turn, it's going to be here. Till is down two rounds, pretty clearly, but... He's still got pep in his step. He's got power. Brunson's getting a little bit more flat on his feet. And if Till can keep this thing upright, uh, he's got a very good chance of winning. He's a, He's got power. He's a good technical striker. That's never really been in dispute. 
there's unfortunately something that happens with this. He lands a couple of good left. I mean, he stumbles Darren to uh till. He stumbles Brunson. Uh pretty hard. <laughs> I mean, not drops him, but he staggers him once or twice. Unfortunately, Brunson panic wrestles. Until for some reason, uh, this had to be an error in preparation on his part, I feel. This is what Derek Brunson does every time he gets hurt. If you don't if you don't sleep him with one punt, with one strike, he panic wrestles. And he apparently wasn't quite hurt enough in this instance to panic wrestle as badly as other people do when they panic wrestle. He gets his hands around the back of Till's legs, drives him into the fence, sucks his hips away once his hands come together, and secures the takedown. Till tries to scramble through, but basically gives up full mount, gets bombed on, gives up the back, gets choked. If you're not prepared for once you get a little bit tired and a little bit hurt, you, this is this is why you drill this stuff, right? Anything that you drill, you drill very tight. Uh, you drill very specifically because once you get tired and once chaos, once the chaos of combat sets in, things get loose. You drill things in a straight line because once you get tired, once you get going, things get loopy. If you drill loopy, then once things get going, they get really loopy. If you've never watched like, you know, people who are not really professional fighters, if you've ever watched you know, tough man fights or uh, some of the, I don't know, YouTube stuff or like that, I'm sure there is. Uh, I don't mean like bum fights, but uh, you know, if you're not watching... Uh, not stuff that isn't the highest level. If you want, even like regional MMA, you see this all the time. As soon as people get tired and a little bit hurt, a little bit scared, everyone's scared when they fight, especially the first few times, everyone. They start swinging wider and wider, and that's why you, if you drill it straight, then you there's only so much looseness that comes out once things get crazy. You have to be able to defensively wrestle stop those takedowns once you're a little bit tired and a little bit hurt and you've got Derek Brunson hurt and here comes his double leg because this is what he does every time he gets hurt and you don't actually you don't actually take an angle you he just gets himself bulled back into the fence and maybe if this was the 30 foot cage instead of the 25 foot he's able to get his to get further back unfortunately I don't know maybe I don't think so given the technique being employed by both men but I might be wrong about that. I'll happily concede that point. It's he was in a winning position. There, if you look at just the first, you know, couple of minutes of that third round, it's going Till's way. His eyes busted up, but it's going his way. And if you lose your winning position after hurting the other guy when he panic wrestles. That's a pretty serious, that's a, it's not a complete loss, but that's a pretty damning indictment uh, on where you are at the moment. I'm not trying to bury Darren Till here, I'm really not. But that was, that was not a good sequence for him, really not, especially when you consider how close he was at that moment. I'm not saying, he didn't have, you know, Brunson was clearly competent and conscious enough to still be not only in the fight, 
but doing the right thing to avoid being finished, or at least you give himself a sp- give himself space to maybe not get finished. And that means you know you have to still, as the aggressor, be intelligent about it. You still have to be able to make this work. If you can't, if every time you get someone hurt and they start swinging back wild punches even, and things fall apart for you, well, that's a problem. If you get someone hurt on the feet and you and they the other guy panic wrestling is enough to really kind of diminish you know, your chances of winning, that's a problem. And that's, that's a pretty big problem for Darren Till. There's still a fair amount of ability that Till has. He's got power. He's uh he's filled out as a really good middleweight. He's not the biggest middleweight in the world, but he's not a small guy for the division by any stretch of the imagination. He's got good technique. His punches are crisp and they're aimed properly and they don't they don't loop. They're very straight. It was one of the things that was troubling Brunson once once things settled down a little bit, Brunson was looping his punches, whereas Till was just straight and getting to the target. Uh, he's got decent takedown defense. I say that because if you look at some of his other fights, he's pretty good about getting back up. You know, Gastelum couldn't really control him on the ground. Whitaker's, Whitaker did get him down, but struggled a bit to really control him there and didn't even have the best re- luck taking him down. And Whitaker's a good wrestler for MMA. Uh, but, you know, Brunson is much more of a dedicated wrestler these days. Uh, the move to Sanford MMA seems to have done his career a world of good. He's undefeated since moving down there. He's still got power, uh, but he's he's not gotten into the brawls that he used to. You know, that used to be kind of his thing. He could wrestle, but he was a bit more inclined towards, you know, getting sucked into these striking exchanges. He's... he's uh, changed some of his response patterns uh, in a very good way as far as that goes and he's you know, he's doing what he's supposed to do he's winning and that's to his credit uh, he wanted a rematch with Izzy after I mean that's what he said he wants the next title shot He's gonna have. He said he would be willing to wait for Whitaker and uh, Adesanya's rematch to happen, and he's lost to both of those gentlemen. Uh, Whitaker stopped him in the first round after that was one of the worst performances of Brunson's career. He came out for that fight. If you haven't seen this one, look it up. It's not a long fight, and just charges recklessly over and over and over at Robert Whitaker, and Whitaker finally just. Catches him coming in with a left hook. Stumbles him, finishes him off. Really nice stuff out of Whitaker. And then, uh, same thing, Adesanya stopped him in the first round, I seem to... Or, it was first or second, I want to say first. I'd have to double check. Uh, where Brunson just striking had nothing for Adesanya. Couldn't really get him down once they got to the fence. Uh, some good clinch work and you're fighting off the cage in that particular fight from Adesanya, so... They're both rematches of fights he's lost. I don't I don't have any problem pointing out that he's not the same guy he used to be. I don't think I would favor him over either of them. But I also don't think those fights would look the same. And you know, sometimes that's how that has to go. 
the only downside to him saying he'll wait is if you're not hurting financially, you might get leapfrogged in the matchmaking and in the public consciousness and all of that stuff. You've got Jared Cannonier, who Adesanya has publicly said he would like to fight, who just got a win. Assuming he ever gets back, you've got Paulo Costa. They might be trying to rebook Costa and Cannonier, which, I mean, who could object to that fight as a fan? But if one of those guys does something impressive, especially if it's Cannonier, uh, you're going to be out of luck if you're if you're Derek Brunson. You, you just are. Like, if they remake Costa and Cannonier, and Cannonier knocks Costa out, assuming Adesanya beats Whitaker, which is not at all a given, that is my inclination at the moment, but not at all a given. Those two are very, very good. I... Adesanya's preference in that... Ca- I mean, Adesanya just... <laughs> uh, after the fact, like, you, you know, Brunson, you got to the camera, said, I'm coming for you, Izzy. Uh, I mean, Adesanya's response on Twitter was, you're still a bum, son. <laughs> uh, Adesanya's trash talk, man. It's It's good. It's not, you know, it's not long, it's not drawn out, it's just a, usually just a collection of pretty decent burns. But his, if Adesanya, if it comes down to, you know, Cannonier knocks out Costa, in closer proximity to Adesanya beating Whitaker, and Adesanya's like, yeah, I want to fight Cannonier, you're going to be out in the cold, Brunson, that's just how that goes. Uh, fair or not, and... You could even make... I mean, this is five wins in a row for Derek Brunson. I'm not at all trying to say he's undeserving of a title shot. He pretty much... He is. But, you know, if... I think if Cannoneer beats... Especially if he beats... uh, If you were to stop Costa, for example... It's not like that guy's getting there by virtue of... He's not... You couldn't say he hadn't earned it either. That's all I'm saying. Uh, that was, you know... Uh, so, Brunson... If they go with Brunson in a title fight, I think he's earned it, too. I don't... Again, I speculated a lot there, but... You kind of have to, given the given the time in place. You know, we're not... We're probably not going to get out of Sonya and Whitaker until 2022, first quarter sometime. That's... That leaves a lot of open space, and when there's open space, there's speculation. That's that's just kind of what you have to do in that space when you talk about it. You can say it's speculation. I'm I'm doing. I'm going to. But there there's a there's a decent chance this might backfire on him. That's all I'm saying. Uh, we have to talk about Darren Till for a minute because I I gave Brunson his props when the, winning the fight, got hurt, persevered, and won. Good performance. You know, he was uh, uh, gutting through that kind of adversity. Brunson hadn't... Let me go back through his last couple of wins because I'm pretty sure... Pretty sure about this. Brunson hadn't really had to come back from a whole lot. Yeah, that's kind of true for his entire career. Um... He's been a bit of a front runner, and I, I don't mean that to be... If we look at his UFC run, 
He bat he batters Chris Lieben, gets a three-round unanimous decision in his debut. Submits Brian Houston in the first round very, very quickly. Loses to Yoel Romero. Won the first two rounds, and then Romero stopped him in the third because Yoel Romero was a freak of nature. Beats Lorenz Larkin, Ed Herman, Sam Alvey, Juan Carnero, and Uriah Hall. Uh, the last four of those are stoppages. He's not ever really having to overcome anything. Then he fights Robert Whitaker, and again, tries to bum-rush Whitaker. That goes horribly. Whitaker stops him. Fights Anderson Silva, loses a unanimous decision. I thought he won, for the record. Cl uh, I stand by that, but lost. Fights Dan Kelly and Leota Machida, knocks both of them out in the first round. Fights Jacare. This is a rematch of a very earlier fight in his career when he was in strike force, and Jacare stops him with a head kick and punches. Fights Adesanya, gets stopped in the first round. Fights, then he beats Lice Theodore, Ian Heinish, Edmund Shabazian, and Kevin. Okay, the Shabazian fight a little bit. When he fought Shabazian, he had a little bit of a rough first round, or rough parts of the first round, but kind of overcame. This was the first time I think I've seen him um, succeed early, fall behind, and then come back. That's not really been something he's shown to this point, and I do want to give him credit for that. That's an important, you know, character trait uh, for any fighter if you want to succeed at the highest level. It's not mandatory. Plenty of guys get plenty far in uh, in MMA being just front runners. Some very, very, some succeeding to the th at the championship level. But this was a little bit of a wrinkle to, as far as his you know, what he's shown us. So I wanted to give him credit for that. If they give him a title shot next, I'm not going to argue all that much. I think he's, I think there's a very real chance he's earned that, and you would not be a mistake to give him one. So, let's talk about Darren Till. Still a lot of ability. I mentioned that earlier, I want to reiterate it. Good striker, good technique, power, in the right division. But... He's, I don't know. I Look, the UFC rushed him into that welterweight title shot, right? I mean, Jeff Harris said it uh, on this program at the time. He was correct. I still, I scored his fight with Stephen Thompson for Stephen Thompson. I stand by that scoring. Uh, the UFC was anxious to get another UK star up and running. Till has, has all the makings, right? He's uh, he's good. He's a good interview. He's a funny guy. He's got a good uh, you know, the the UK fan base. I I think that you know a bunch of different uh, you know, journalists in the UK have said since Michael Bisbing retired, that's your most important figure in UK MMA. Uh, certainly English MMA. I uh, he's uh, if you've seen some of the stuff when he was you know fight when he fought in his hometown, he's a big. He's a big deal. You may not think... He may have been rushed, but... And I, I think he was. But you can kind of see why. And he starches Cowboy Cerrone. I mean, he blew through... He blew through Cowboy, man. That was... That was brutal. He... Then he gets this, you know... I didn't agree with the decision, but he beats Wonder Boy. And unfortunately, at that point, there's not a whole lot you can do but give him a title shot. And he doesn't have anything for Woodley. <laughs> uh, doesn't do...
do almost anything through the first round, gets finished in the second. Uh, not a good look. Follows that up by fighting Jorge Masvidal and has a good... He drops Jorge in the first. It's not... People remember the finish of that fight for good reason. It's spectacular. But it's not like he was out of that fight. Uh, just the longer it went on, it just kind of started slipping away from him. And then Jorge with that big combination knocked him out. So he decides to go to middleweight. You know, welterweight's always been a real tough cut for him. So he moves up. Fights Gastelum. Wins a split decision in a competitive affair. I I, I sc- think I scored it for Gastelum, but don't quote me on that. Uh, I I don't object to... I don't remember the fight well enough to have a detailed opinion. But I consequently, I don't object to him winning. Then he fights right away Robert Whitaker. And he's got moments. Uh, he won two of those rounds by, according to the judges' ringside, I seem to recall I was four to one instead of three to two, but I could have been three to two as well. I, I don't remember how I scored that live. Point being, there it, he didn't get blown out. He lost, and there's not really any dispute about that. But he gave the second best middleweight in the world a competitive fight, and he fights Derek Brunson, and he's got moments. He really did. But he can't sustain it and gets submitted and loses in the third round. He's now 1-4 in his last five fights. Funny fact, if we're talking just MMA, he and Tyron Woodley are a collective 1-7. They might be 1-8 now, actually. Hang on. So since that title fight, right? Um, Till is 1-3 since then. Woodley, I believe, is 0-4. We're just talking MMA. Yeah, those two are a collective 1-7 since their title fight. It wasn't even one of those wars, like they left something of each other in there. It was not that kind of fight. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know what the problem is with Till. I mean, I could... I could guess. I mean, I can point out some things, but... I think he needs a change of camp. I don't know which one would be best. I don't know if he just needs to bring in, you know, someone else to help him. And if he doesn't necessarily have to leave his camp, but he needs something that he's not getting. And I'm not quite sure what it is, and I don't know where would be the best place for him. So I'm cert- I'm not going to do that. But he's got a lot of ability, and he's shown flashes. But if you can't if you can chin Derek Brunson the way you did and not be prepared for the only response to being hurt Derek Brunson has is to panic wrestle. This is documented. Go through his career. Go through his win. Go through his some of his wins, and you'll see this out of Brunson. This is what he does. And I don't... If you're not ready for that... It's just, I don't know, man. It just, it doesn't, there's something there. There's something missing. And maybe it is Till. You know, there are plenty of guys in the long history of combat sports that show you flashes. 
that show you on their best night they are world champion uh, <laughs> you, you will see they are world champion level performers but they can't sustain it and that might be the story of Darren Till now he's still look I'm not trying to bury the guy he's still young he's yeah, he's 28 for crying out how when did he get in the UFC in 15 he got into the UFC when he was like 21 or 22 There's still, there is still time. He is still young enough. He can still develop. He's not, he's not one of these guys. You know, by the, if he was in this position, you know, at 33, 34, it's a different conversation. There is time for him, but I don't know if he just needs a drastic change in the level of opposition. I don't know if he needs a change of camp, if he needs a few new, or just needs to bring in a different coach. To help him with his... I mean, he couldn't really... Now, Brunson's top control is certainly not the average fighters. It's very good. But he kind of didn't really have much of an answer for being on his back. Now, some of that's what Brunson was doing. I want to be very clear about that. But his bag of tricks for what he could do off of his back seemed pretty, seemed a little bit limited. Uh, and that's that's not a great thing now some of that again some of that's Brunson but uh, some of that's till too man so I don't I don't know what the future holds for him he's young enough he's a big enough name still that he's I don't think he's in danger of being cut but he he is not going to have forever to figure out the problems that he's running into uh, whether those are mental or physical, whether it, whether it's preparation or what, but he's uh, he needs to figure that out because if not, well, you're not you're just not in a good spot. That's ultimately what it is right now. Uh, Co-main event. Uh, getting on to happier news for the UK fans. Tom Aspinall defeated Sergei Spivak via TKO elbow and punches 230 of the first. Aspinall has fast hands. He's a good puncher. The finish here came in the... Uh, they were in the clinch. Aspinall throws a knee to the body and like just as his right foot touches back, fires a right elbow as Spivak is leaving the pocket. Drops him, pounds him out on the ground. Lovely stuff. Aspinall might be the real deal at heavyweight. Uh... There's still things we need to see from him, but he's run through the people in front of him thus far. Uh, he said he wants to fight someone ranked above him. He came into this fight ranked, I don't know, 13 or 14. I agree. He should be fighting someone ranked above him. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. I mean, I don't want to match make too much beyond that, but that guy might be the real deal. He might fall apart as he takes a step up in competition too, but I I kind of doubt it. He's he's got a lot of skill, a lot of skill. Uh, Sergey Spivak took this on somewhat short notice, replacing Sergey Pavlovich. Uh, I think Aspinall would have beat either of those guys. Again, it's a little bit different here because it's heavyweight, but 
this was a little little bit of a setup. Not a total setup. Neither Pavlovich nor Spivak are cans. But you're, it's heavyweight outside the top 10. Like, there's a lot of... It's just, it's just heavyweight at that level, right? If you're a good heavyweight, and Aspinall's a good heavyweight, this was never really in doubt. Uh, let's see. Welterweight Alex Morono defeated Z- David Zavada via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the boards. Decent little fight. Uh, Morono took this on short notice. Uh, the rightful winner. I don't have too much to say about that one. Um, oh, jeez, this. Khalil Roundtree defeated Modestus Bacalcus via TKO leg kicks, 230 of the f- second. This needs to be discussed because this wasn't your traditional Muay Thai leg kick. Roundtree hit Bukowskis with a sidekick to the knee and blew it out, basically. Um, yeah, where do I want to start with this? Okay, you... First of all, I hope Bukowskis is all right. He seemed, I think they mentioned he kind of started the injury on that, wrestling in the first round a little bit. Um, I have to double-check that. But, uh, hope he's okay. I mean... That was pretty... He dropped and he screamed. That... Mm. I mean, that's why the ref stopped the fight. Because the guy... you If you scream in pain, that's the same as a verbal submission. Like, you're done. Uh, so the ref absolutely did the right thing. So, first of all, hope his leg's okay. I mean, that's that's almost certainly going to require surgery to some degree. Because that was, that was a pretty gnarly one. But this is the point when a lot of the morons come out of the woodwork. And they go, this, you know, the sidekick to the knee should be banned. And they don't really have an explanation for why. Let's be clear about something. This is the first time in UFC history this kick has ended a fight. Uh, It's not the first time in UFC history this kick has been used in a fight. It's not even the first time... In UFC history, this kick has been a significant part of a fight. If you'll recall, John Jones landed one of these on Rampage Jackson back in the day, messed his knee up. Uh, Yoel Romero did this to Rob- did that to Robert Whitaker in their fight, and his knee came in with a slightly damaged knee, and uh, Romero sidekicked it and made it worse. Then you know, Whitaker did it to Romero in their rematch. Uh, I've, I'm not convinced there's an adequate reason to ban this this technique. Uh, you get some people who will go, well, you know, knockouts are better. Buddy, head brain trauma doesn't get healed. This sucks for Bukowskis because, again, we're talking surgery and rehab and all that stuff, and that's not good, that's not fun. But that's probably not going to significantly impact the quality of life for this man 20 years from now. A bunch of people would just rather head trauma take place in the cage, and then, you know, 15 years later, when the fighter can't remember their names of their family members, or how to get to the grocery store, and are suffering from all the problems associated with CTE. Because that happens outside where you pay attention to, you can feel better about it. There's... 
I, I don't buy that. I find that in even for a even for someone who enjoys a barbaric sport like this, I find that an unbelievably callous and potentially inhumane argument. Look, why don't we? Here's a better. Why do why are eye pokes not allowed? Right? Have you? Do you not? If you don't know, eye pokes aren't disallowed. You, people make weird arguments about this. Like, well, because it's barbaric. They're getting bludgeoned in the head for our entertainment and for their and to be paid. This ain't civilized, right? This is not the peak of human uh, of civilization in this respect. This is barbaric. So the fact that it's you know, well, it's less barbaric. Eh. Yeah, I, I might give you that, but we are fundamentally engaged in barbarism here. Make your peace with that. You don't allow eye pokes because they don't actually stop fights all that often. And they cause disproportionate long-term damage to their impact on the fight. If eye pokes were legal, how many fights would be stopped because of an eye poke? I mean this in all sincerity. I The answer is not a whole lot. And you see a lot more guys with a lot more long-term eye damage. So, here... These, the sidekick to the knee doesn't, it doesn't end fights all that often, in no small part because it's not easy to do. I mean, when it first kind of gained prominence, there were a bunch of people going, there's no defense against it. No, you morons. There is no perfect technique. There is nothing that is indefensible. There's give and take. There's ways to defend this technique, they just open you up to other things, and most fighters seem to think they either don't train them, don't train the defense, or have made the decision that I will take some damage to my knee in exchange for not getting knocked out, or not opening myself up to these other avenues of attack. Look at how hard it is for this technique to end a fight. This technique has been legal throughout the history of mixed martial arts. And it took a guy like Khalil Roundtree who kicks like a mule, perfectly timing this on another human being to really get it to end something. He times this almost perfectly. Bukowskis goes to throw a jab. As he does, he steps onto his lead leg and puts weight on it. This is a perfectly valid way to throw the jab. It opens you up to be countered to the lead leg. This was one of the things that Volkanovsky used on Max Holloway, not the sidekick, but Max gets a little bit heavy on his lead leg when he jabs. Every time he tried to go forward and build on it, Volkanovski would kick him in the leg, disrupt his balance, disrupt his base, and stop his momentum. It was beautiful. It was brilliant. It's one, of the, one of the things I love about their fights. Roundtree, instead of going for a round kick, throws a side kick to that knee. As it comes down, weight goes on to it. He kicks the knee. It folds sideways away. It's not supposed to fold at all. We're done. <laughs> but if you look at how many big, strong fighters have thrown that kick in UFC history, how many times did it ended a fight? Once. I've, I'm just never, I've never heard a convincing argument that this should be banned. A lot of the people who want it banned are either fans who would rather watch someone get knocked out cold and you know, suffer a significantly worse quality of life in their later years. Or they're the kind of people who 
want to really limit how things go. Uh, or they're fighters who don't want to have to deal with it. Uh, you see this every time this comes up. There's a, a group of fighters, usually the same few, that go, it's a dirty technique. And I'd rather it was banned. Because they don't want to deal with it. I don't blame anyone who doesn't want to deal with it. You have to deal with a set of, of circumstances and weapons and all that in MMA that is exponentially large. Of course you want to limit that. Why wouldn't you? It would be, it is somewhat against your own self-interest to pretend otherwise. They want, so there's a few of them that want to limit this. It's just because they don't like it. I've never really heard a better, I've never heard a real argument beyond that. And it sucks. I'm not saying it's, uh, you know, I'm saying it doesn't suck, but this is the game, and that's this is one of the tools. It's it's available. It should be available. Like I said, I've never, even if you wanted to use the old the same argument that I did that well because it doesn't end fights and it causes you know long term damage it should be banned. Well, I'm not. Again, we're talking about long term real quality of life issues with eye pokes. Same with fish hooking. You know, uh, fishing is not only unsightly, but you'd get a lot of, oh, your face got torn open, so we're done. And then they'd sew it up, and we've got, you know, the quality of plastic surgery has improved tremendously since fish hooking was first a thing. But you'd still get a lot of, you know, weirdness around that. Uh, and you, you can fix your knee. You can't, there's real limitations on what you can fix when it comes to someone's eyes. Some very, very real, very semi serious limitations on that. Uh, it's not great for Bukowskis. I certainly feel bad for the man, but this is kind of the game in that respect. And I, I'm okay with this technique being legal. I, I've, I've never heard a real sound argument other than I don't like them, so please ban them. Which, I'm not saying that's not a consistent stance to take. If you don't like them, then fair play, say you don't like them. But that's not really a reason for much of anything. There's plenty of strikers who don't like wrestling and would rather you banned it. You know, or there's plenty of wrestlers who don't like certain, uh, who don't like knees being thrown. Would rather you banned those. Like it, that's kind of what this is in some respects. So, yeah, yeah, just that comes out every time these things happen. So, good win for Roundtree. He needed that win badly. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. The only other thing about this sidekick to the knee. One of the things that occasionally gets brought up is that. Um, this is one of those things like self-defense gurus or certain, you know, traditional martial arts studios will say, well, if you're in a self-defense situation, just do this. There is anyone, seriously, if you're interested in a self, in self-defense and anyone, any of your, the instructors says, if you bring up a scenario or and they say just to do X, you might want to look elsewhere. 
There is no just. Sidekicks to the knee like this are a good weapon, but they're not... They're not what Hollywood and you know hundreds of years of thought experiment traditions versus practicality would tell you they are. We have the whole history of mixed martial arts to look at this technique and its effects. And the reality is, it's a good measuring stick, it's an annoying weapon, but it's very rarely a fight ender. And I just... It's never really been clear to me that the combination of factors and dangers it presents are things that you know, should be banned. And it, I mean, we also get people who go, well, the calf kick should be banned because everything's just calf kicks. People figure this stuff out. Calf kicks are not unstoppable. Watch Jose Aldo and uh, Munoz, Pedro Munoz. Took me a minute to remember his name. Pedro Munoz has good leg kicks and he has good calf kicks. He tries to throw them at Aldo. Watch how Aldo stops him. The, they are Nothing is unstoppable. Nothing. Not a darn thing is this unstoppable, undefensible weapon. Absolutely nothing is that. So, a good win for Roundtree. And keep the sidekick to the knee legal. There's no, re there's again, not a real reason for it to be banned. Uh, kicking off the main card, Paddy Pemblet made his UFC debut. He stopped Luigi Vendramini via punches, 425 of the first, a little bit back and forth. Vendramini cracked Pemblet with a left hook pretty early. Pemblet survived to his credit, fired back. Uh, Pemblet, not much of a striker as a general rule. He's more known for his groundwork, but found a decent right exiting the pocket. Didn't let Vendramini off the hook, pounded him out against the fence. Um... Again, this was this was a little bit of a setup. We're talking lightweight, and they gave Pimblet a fairly notable star in the UK region, especially in Liverpool. Uh, I mean, the man's been in Cage Warriors forever. He's been a staple of that promotion. And they gave him a guy who was 1-2 in the UFC who had less total fights than Pimblet did. You still have to go out there and win, and to Vendramini's credit, he made it interesting. But not terribly hard to understand the matchmaking logic here. So Pimblick gets a solid enough win, got a performance bonus for it, cut a decent promo after the fact. I'm sure he will be facing wrestlers not for several fights, <laughs> because that's how this goes. Uh, that was your main card. Let me run through the uh, prelims here. Molly McCann defeated Ji Yun Kim via unanimous decision, 29-28 across the boards. That was my scorecard, I seem to recall. Uh, McCann just kept getting inside Kim's reach, made it ugly, uh, wins a decision, decent fight. It was your fight of the night, but that should tell you about the quality of action for the rest of these. Uh, Jack Shore defeated Ludovic uh, Sholinan via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the boards. Uh, Sholinan took this on short notice, but solid win for sure. Get that man some... He's 15-0 and 0 now, including four or five wins in the UFC. Time to get him some ranked opposition. Like, let's step that guy up. Uh, Julian Erosa hit a really nice Darce choke on Charles Jordan, uh, 256 of the third. Uh, good little back-and-forth fight. Uh, Erosa took this on short notice, so it was contested at 150. 
Jordan had the second. Urosa first, Jordan second. Then in the third, Urosa just gets a takedown. Jordan tries to get up the same way he had previously. This time, Urosa's got a read on that, snaps up the Dars, locks it up, gets the tap. Good win for Urosa. And kicking everything off, Marc-Andre Barrio defeated Dolce Lungi and Bula via unanimous decision to 29-28, 130-27. I was 30-27, I seem to recall, but uh, I think the first round might have been the weird one, so I don't object to... The right guy won, and the first round... I think it was the first. There was one of the rounds that was close enough that I don't object to it going uh, the other way. But good win for Barrio, who looks to have finally kind of sorted himself out. He's looked... A lot more consistent in his last few fights. So, good for him. Uh, anyway, that was the event. Only nine fights. Uh, we were in and out fairly quickly, so... Uh, yeah, if you're looking for a greatest hits, um, the finish to Roundtree and Bukowskis is worth looking up, as is Espinal and Spivak. The main event's decent. Uh, and if you want, you know, four minutes of slight craziness, then Pimblet and Vendramini is not... Certainly not boring, if nothing else. So, uh, yeah, that was the event. Thank you to everyone who followed along with my live coverage and everyone who read the report after the fact. All of that is available in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com. Uh, I, I, I don't have a whole lot else here. Again, it's been a real quiet news week. Um, somewhat breaking, apparently Florida is willing to sanction... Evander Holy... Uh, okay, so the trailer's going to have a boxing bout, uh, an exhibition fight between Oscar De La Hoya and Vitor Belfort. Um, De La Hoya contracted COVID. Uh, apparently he was vaccinated and uh, doesn't seem... I mean, I saw him in the hospital, but I don't know. He uh, So he was admitted, but I don't know how... Serious his case was, so that's a little bit up in the air, but uh, we'll have to just kind of see. Uh, point being, he came, to, uh, he contracted it, and at a bare minimum, they won't sanction him to fight. Evander Holyfield said he'd do it, and Florida seems to be willing to allow it, the Florida Athletic Commission. I'm not a fan, can't say I'm too big a fan of this. Uh, you guys may not remember... But I think it was, what, like 10 years ago, give or take? Um, Evander Holyfield was... Might have even been more than that. Jeez. It might have been more than that, now that I think about it. I'm just going to say 10 and then call it plus or minus 5. Uh, for my somewhat faulty memory that I don't want to look this up. Uh, the New York State Athletic Commission denied Holyfield a boxing license because of... Uh, for medical reasons, so it's like diminished capacity. I mean, the man's not an invalid by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, they they did, they would not allow... They denied him the boxing license. It seems that, you know, again, a decade or so later, Florida's willing to allow him to... Now, it's an exhibition, and it's you know, two eight-minute... Or eight two-minute rounds, excuse me, eight two-minute rounds. Uh... I'm just, I'm just not the biggest fan of this. I mean, I'm not going to watch it anyway because I don't care, but that seems... Now, if, you know, if the Florida Athletic Commission did their due diligence and feel... Then I'm, I'm certainly potentially willing to explore the notion that Holyfield's not you know, a complete broken down rack. I mean, the man's in phenomenal shape for his age, certainly, but, you know, how's your brain doing kind of thing. 
I don't know. A uh, little bit suspect. A little bit. Uh, the UFC announced that Michael Chiesa and Sean Brady's being targeted. Great fight. Uh, just a couple of quick things like that. Um, again, quiet week for the most part. So let's get into plugs and then get out of here. Um, let's see. I participated in two different reviews for the movie Candyman last week. There was a damn you Hollywood that was just myself and Mark Radlich, and we had a long discussion about the movie, uh, some of the craft, po- some of the craft things, positive and negative, and some of the stuff that came up around it. Uh, so we talked for a while. We had a good review, good discussion. Then I hosted a roundtable that featured myself, Jason Teasley, Alexis Haina, and a gentleman joining us for the first time by the name of Dorian Price. And we kind of kicked the movie around a little bit in that format more than... Uh, so you can listen to both of those over the W2M network. Uh, I appreciate whatever you know, help you can give me in that respect uh, with what I do over there. This week there will be a review of Shang-Chi uh, over on Damn You Hollywood. Myself, Mark Radulich, and Alexis Haina will dissect that movie. I haven't seen it yet, so I have no comment on its you know, actual craft. But I will see it before we review it, naturally. Uh, was there anything else to add this week? Bring up my... Ah, wrong tab. Bring up my calendar. Because we are into... September. Um, uh, Malignant is not until next week. So, yeah, I think that's it for me this week. Um, we'll just be the Shang-Chi review over on Damn You Hollywood. Yeah. Then whatever my usual stuff is over at, over here at 411 Mania. So, AW's Dark Elevation on Monday. Uh Assuming there's something from MLW on Wednesday, that, and then SmackDown on Friday. That's it for me. There is no UFC event this Saturday. Uh, There will be one on the 18th, so we'll be back next week, and we will preview that event. So until next time, thank you all very much again for reading. Uh, Reading. Reading my work. Thank you for that. Thank you for listening over here. Stay safe out there as usual, and continue to be well, be safe, and behave.